And one of the things that we wanted to kind of talk about today is also really valuing your uniqueness. And in my business and what I'm seeing on social media and everything is really this whole thing about people really being too afraid to be who they really are, say what they really think, go with the thing that God's really called them to do, and they're more comfortable blending in. Even though in everyone's desire, in their heart, they want to stand out, people are not doing that. They're feeling more comfortable blending in. What does it look like to wildly pursue the one who made you, called you, positioned you, and propels you? This podcast represents the Esters and the Azers on the rise. The ones breaking free from societal and religious norms in order to recklessly pursue God's beauty and glory while basking in the wonder of His creativity and wisdom. This is a belonging, a sisterhood, a table. Actually, it's a pool float, a palm tree, and a charcuterie. That's how these friendships came to life anyway. So grab your favorite suit and jump on in. The water's warm. And we've got tons to chat about. From business to family. Wealth creation. Maybe some political banter. And of course, a whole lot of Jesus. Welcome to Girls Gone Holy, where you are free to be wild in Him. Hey, hey, welcome back to the show. We are on part two from an incredible episode last week where Kristen kicked us off talking about the importance of really valuing somebody else's uniqueness. And one of the things that we wanted to kind of talk about today is also really valuing your uniqueness. And in my business and what I'm seeing on social media and everything is really this whole thing about people really being too afraid to be who they really are, say what they really think, go with the thing that God's really called them to do, and they're more comfortable blending in. Even though in everyone's desire, in their heart, they want to stand out, people are not doing that. They're feeling more comfortable blending in. And so I want to have just a follow-up conversation for how to show up really authentically in the world and who you are, be fully honest with who you are, whether it's great, whether it's bad, and maybe talk a little bit about like, why, why do you guys think it is that people aren't doing that? Why are we, why are we wanting to be out of the box, but choosing to stay in the mold? The enemy. I, I will say that I feel so strongly in my own walk um, and anything that's of lack is from the enemy, right? But I think it's, there's a, the scripture talks about how we have to take our thoughts captive um, because the enemy is constantly at work trying to take that. And especially when God is refining you and you're in that refiner's fire and he's calling you higher, there's a lot of the enemy trying to seep in and place doubt and place those, those things in your life. Um, where otherwise maybe in the past you haven't had that. And so when you are going deeper with the Lord, the enemy is trying to counteract that and um, and try to manipulate what it is and who you are um, because he's always after our identity, right? He's always after that. And I think there's a lot of emphasis in the world um, about what we do um, and, what, and then of course what we have. But when it comes down to it, it's about who we are. And the enemy is constantly trying to manipulate that. Um, so when we're thinking about like, oh, I, I don't have, I, I'm not confident enough to do that new thing. Well, that new thing that that you're that God's calling you to do 
it's it's just a byproduct of who he is. So you're he you have to become the person that can withstand that place that he's calling you. And that means you have to go through that refiner's fire to wash away what the enemy's trying to hold on to and wash away those things that he that's that's been almost allowed to be there. And I don't want to say come in agreement necessarily, even though that could be the case as well. Um, but I think that we really have to start to fine tune our own minds and re renew them every day on what God says about us, because there is a real enemy that's constantly trying to take us down and constantly trying to manipulate, manipulate that. Yeah, I think that's really, really good. What do you think, Jess? Identity. More and more as I study Genesis and the word and uh, in church, we're in exile. So we're in Jeremiah. And I think of to truly be who you truly are, you need to be in the environment that you were truly designed for. And so more and more, I'm learning about the environment and the importance of where are you being planted? What is the environment um, look like? My word for the year is Eden, and God has put on my heart to create Eden-like environments for women that can have a safe place to dwell with God, rest with God, create with God, work with God, commune with God. And I want to quote Tozer again. Last episode, I talked about his book, The Crucified Life, and this is so cool. So he says, Man is not like all the other creatures in God's creation. Man fulfills a role that no other creature can fulfill. As long as each living creature stays in its own environment and lives the kind of life God gave it, that creature fulfills that purpose for which it was made. Pause there. It reminds me of David Benner. He wrote the book, The Gift of Being Yourself. And he goes into why is identity only an issue with humans? A tulip it brings glory to God by being a tulip. An oak tree brings glory to God by being an oak tree. Why are humans so double-minded? So let's go back to Tozer. He says, the creatures on the earth, in the air, and in the sea all live in perfect harmony within their own environment. Day by day, they fulfill the purpose for which they were created by simply being themselves in the environment that God put them. Man is the only creation that is out of his original environment. We're wow. created for Eden and we're not there. We're not there right now, but we get to bring, uh, you know, when Jesus fills our heart and soul, we create an inward Eden, this eternal Eden that begins in our heart and that'll stretch into eternity. So let me just now take us to exile. That was Eden. We're made for Eden. We're not there yet. And so Jeremiah 29. Jeremiah writes a letter to the exiles, the, the people of God that aren't living in their hometown, that aren't living in their God-given land. They are exiles, as are we. We're not, this world is not our home. And the word that the Lord God gave to Jeremiah to the exiles, he said, build houses and live in them, plant gardens and eat produce multiply there do not decrease pursue the well-being of the city i have deported you to pray to the lord on its behalf for when the city thrives you will thrive i kind of forgot about that part of the bible y'all until we went through it again essentially god is saying bloom where you are planted essentially he is saying and i i think what i get from this like um the flourishing 
love of God and this eternal wine that God has poured into your being, it gets better and better. Like God turning water into wine in the wedding. It's like, whoa, you saved the best for last. That's because with God, he really does save the best for last. So as we go into the world, kind of living in exile, we can bring that internal and eternal Eden wherever we go. And I, I just can't get away from what a pivotal, important role environment plays in understanding your identity and living it out. Mm. So that's what comes to mind for me. You know what? Oh, go on. Go on. Go on. No, no, go. There's so good. I was just going to say one thing that's so interesting about what you said was I met a man a year ago and he studied his whole life motivation. He's a Christian, mm-hmm. studied motivation, what what motivates people. And years and years and years of study, he said, you cannot motivate a person. It is only the environment that they are in that will cause them to flourish. So I thought that was incredibly profound and interesting. What were you going to say, Tamara? Well, I'm glad you said that first because it's really connected to, um, I wrote a foreword to someone's book this week and um, uh-huh. got to talk about it yesterday also on the podcast because it just keeps coming to life. And it ultimately is, it, we're talking here about uniqueness, but we're also talking about flourishing, which I think is an element of prosperity. And if you remember in 3 John 1, 12, it says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. And so I went into this whole dissection of soul and how does your mind prosper and how does your will prosper and how do your emotions prosper, which is really connected to part one of this episode. But listen to this if we're talking about environment. This shook me. Um, Specifically speaking to Joseph, okay? Prosperity didn't look the same in the pit at Potiphar's, in prison, or in the palace. I'm certain Joseph had his fair share of mental battles and combos with God asking why, but God never left him or forsake him, and each situation led him one step closer to his initial dream. Even after his coat was stolen, he didn't have to concern himself with what to wear or what to eat or where he would even lay his head to rest. And while slavery and prison cells are far from ideal, he was still prospering. How do I know this? Because he was walking in righteousness the whole time. His integrity was intact. He was humble and honored those around him, even if those who were in control were far from God. He was still in communication with God in order to decipher dreams for the inmates, and he never missed an opportunity to explain where his perceived personal power came from. He always glorified God. And so I know that that is so true, what we're talking about here environmentally, but really if we're talking about the inner Eden, it doesn't matter what your external environment looks like, your inner Eden, your soul can still prosper. And that is us operating in the uniqueness that we're called to be because we don't have to be like anyone else. And honestly, they wouldn't prosper in the arena that we're in, which goes back to the man in the arena, right? That that amazing quote and the understanding from Theodore Roosevelt. He's like, don't let anyone else be a critic to the role and the environment in which you stand. You are made for such a time as this. And God would not have placed you there, positioned you in that place not to prosper. We're made to prosper. And so I, all of this, I'm like, woo, this is good. <laughs> Tamara, that is so beautiful. Thank you for sharing that and create, you just, your, your words painted a picture in my heart. So <laughs> 
I just have to say that in Jeremiah 29, we read about exile. Everything that you just said, Tamara, I'm looking down. The next few verses is the well-known, beloved scripture that most of us have put to heart, Jeremiah 29, 11. And God says, after giving directions on how to flourish in exile, he says, when 70 years for Babylon are complete, I will attend to you and I will confirm my promise concerning you to restore you to this place. For I know the plans I have for you. This is the Lord's declaration, plans for your well-being, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. You will call to me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you search me with all of your heart. I will be found by you. And I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and places where I banished you. I will restore you to the place from which I deported you. I can just imagine him speaking that to Joseph in the pit, in the, in the prison. Like I, Joseph, my plans are to give you hope in a future. Um, and I, I could just imagine Joseph like calling out to him, God, hearing him, Joseph finding God in those moments and 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 getting to that place where God restored him back to the intended place, destiny, if you will. Wow. I'm raising my hand because I want so this like when I try to relate this back to regular life and like how does this show up? I always ask myself, like, how does this show up in my life? And Melissa, yeah. you asked a question about you know, if people were made for a time like this, why aren't they showing up like it? Mm -hmm. And I think back to the, the comment of environment, like we spend so much time in social media where we're watching highlight reels and we see people getting all this validation back to the old, the, the last conversation we have. And so we look at that and we say, oh, but I'm not that because we're comparing ourselves to them and we're trying to live a journey that actually isn't even a real journey. And, and beyond that, we're working toward like some destination of success and some destination of at which we will finally feel enough when in reality, like it is a journey, not a destination. And we're, we're gonna go through the prison cells and through the, through the ups and the downs in our job is to show up at our best and to be the light of God and to, to, regardless of what the environment is to stand in our own. I was talking to a really amazing woman and leader um, who posted the other day that she said, you know, a lot of times I feel lonely. And I think a lot of pe people feel lonely, even though they're around a lot of people, because they feel different than these highlight reels. And they're like, well, that's not my life. And the truth is like, number one, that's not anybody's life. We're comparing ourselves to something that's not real. But number two, we all have our own journey. So we should high five that person for that moment in their journey that they got to post. And then we should just like live and be light in whatever environment that we are. So I think that this loneliness yeah. comes from not understanding our uniqueness and that that's not our journey. We're not supposed to be where they are because that wasn't the journey God, God put us on. Um, and that just to stand in our own and to be strong and to be like, this is where my feet are planted. This is who I am. This is the gift that I give to the world. Ooh. Amen. I think what you just said, what you about standing, there's so many times in the last year, God has said to me, when you have nothing else to do, just stand. And we kind of don't, I know, I mean, for myself, I had to learn what that really meant and walk through it. 
and you talk about prosperity and prospering. Um, God gave me a vision a year ago and that just came back to me yesterday morning, actually, through some of the stuff that I've been walking through with uh, my health and whatnot is um, there was a vision of me on my back. I was in full like like military, like I was in a war and I was basically like postured on my back. Like I had gotten knocked down and I was on my back and I had a sword and I was fighting the enemy from my back. And it was like in that moment, you watch a movie where that's happening and you, and you're like, oh my gosh, you're going to like, you're going to lose. You're, you're losing the battle. Um, you're lo losing this fight. And I remember being in the dream and I was just yielding the sword at the enemy and I was on my back and I just felt so tired. And, and I remember looking over at the Lord and going like, I can't, like, I can't say he's like, just keep going. And, and I, I'm like, okay. And it was in that moment, he was showing me that, that my, my strength was not mine. It was his. And in order for me to truly be able to, to submit to his power and strength was for me to be on my back where I, I couldn't do anything. And so sometimes we, can we prosper when we're on our back? And we feel like it's that we're losing the war and the sword. We're like one more, one more pass. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be done. I'm gonna be done and over because that's what the enemy wants to make us feel. And so God was put me in a place like if that's what He's making you feel, let's put you there and let's. I'm gonna show you how you're gonna still prosper even in that position. And you're gonna still prosper in those moments where you feel like I, I'm gonna lose. I'm losing. He's like, you may feel like you're losing, but I've already won. And so I think like your environment, like you said, Jessica, about um, we co-create that with God, right? And we get to decide with him, with our authority, what environment we want. And I think truly, I just say this, everybody in this room, um, as business owners, as leaders in our community, the people that we're leading, whether it's in family or in business, like we get to create that and we have created that environment for people. Um, and that's the most beautiful thing is again, it's not about what we do. It's about who we are and it's relational. And for me, it's like, I, for me to be able to create an environment for my family and for myself to prosper with God, even when I'm on my back, now that's something the enemy can never take from me. And I think all of you guys have done in your own spaces, obviously together, but in your own spaces has done that beautifully. I've been on the receiving end of some of those spaces. And I just think that it's an honor to be a part of that and really being able to see people for what they've done and, and sharing that. That's so beautiful, Matt. Man, you guys should see the chat right now because we're doing this on Zoom. But Tamara's putting in here, her son does jujitsu, and you don't even want to know how long it took me to be able to say that word. But in jujitsu, she said, sometimes being on your back is actually the controlled posture, which is super cool because the enemy would love to think you're on your back and now I've got you right where I want you. But God's always in the business of taking what the enemy meant for evil and totally turning it around for our good. Mm -hmm. And that hopefully is such an encouragement to anybody listening. And it's funny too, because I know the seasons that some of these women are on, on this call. And I remember when I was in a valley and it's like, was I prospering? I look back and I'm like, oh, I didn't feel like it. But and now where I feel like I'm doing something I love, I just got off a call with a client and we had major breakthrough. I'm like, woohoo, right? I think, and I would actually, we should totally do a, a podcast about this. Put it in the notes if you'd be interested. But what does it really look like to prosper? Because mm -hmm. there's such a teaching around what prosperity is. I've been thinking about this for myself in my home. I don't think prosperity for our family is the vacations and the big house 
And the car, I don't think it's that. I really think it's prospering in your soul. And so it's every day. How can you enjoy your everyday life and be thankful and be grateful and like enjoy the season, even if it's a hard season, like what Natalie, what you're saying, finding God in that season, finding that hope, that's prosperity. That's finding God, finding the one who created heavens and the earth, that created Eden, that created you, that he's with you, that he's for you. That's prospering in a really difficult season. For me, prospering, yes, it's prospering now being like, man, God, thank you for this breakthrough. Thank you for where I've come from. Thank you, God, for my children. Thank you that we're healthy. I'm going to I'm gonna close with this because this was such a light bulb moment for me when I was in the valley. I remember walking around this house by my by my house. Sorry, this park by my house, and there was this man, this older gentleman, and he was so happy. And he was like, "Good morning, good morning." And I was with my friend, and I was like, "Good morning, how are you?" He's like, "I'm fantastic." We said, "What? You know, that's great. Why are you?" Why are you so fantastic? He said, because I just, I just got my diagnosis and I'm cancer free. And I said, we were like, oh my gosh, that's huge. That's incredible. Like, congratulations. And as I'm walking with my friend, I looked at her and I said, do you know, Sam, do you know we're cancer free too? But our attitudes are so different. And if we can just take a moment and think about what Jesus Christ did on the cross, that sin that was a cancer to our souls, to our bodies, and he literally annihilated that on the cross for us to be able to prosper in our souls. And every day we can't wake up, and I'm guilty of this, can't wake up and be like, I'm cancer free. I am cancer free. And thank you, God, for what you've done and what you're doing. And I'm saying this and thinking about the person that's listening that just got a cancer diagnosis. And I just want to say, because I'm thinking about that person, I just want to say, you look, your help comes from the Lord. And you can find God even in the midst of challenging times and challenging moments. But I think we should do a podcast talking about what it means to really prosper and what prosperity looks like because we are totally, totally at time. But guys, the ladies, thank you so much for just sharing your heart and what you're going through and and what God's showing you. I love the lens of every single woman on this call. Shout out to Tiff because she's not here today, but she would be dropping bombs if she were here. But <laughs> yeah, she would. <laughs> just an yeah, she would. Just an encouragement to anyone listening, you know, you have a voice and your season matters. Your voice matters, your passions and your gift they matter. So share that. And be authentic in that and be on the lookout for this next episode talking about, I've already declared it, talking about what it means (laughs) to prosper. Any closing thoughts, ladies? Any closing Uh, thoughts? I love you all. Thank you. We love you. Thank you for being a part of this. Yes. Thank you for being a part of this, guys. Jess, close us out. Wild out. Wild out. (laughs) 